Hello, Hello Vineyard. Vineyard. Welcome to the Hello Vineyard Vine Press Podcast. 2.0. Season, season 2, Episode 5. Wow. We're up to our fifth episode Crazy. in Season 2. Rolling right along. Thank you guys for tuning in and you know watching the, the podcast we have. And thank you for those who are contributing with their questions to the Vine Press segment. Always great. 2.0. 2. <laughs> the, the bulk of this podcast now has become the Vine Press segment where you can submit your questions to our website, keysvineyard.com. You can also submit your questions at hellovineyard.com. You can follow the Vine Press links and ask your questions there and we'll answer them on the show. So, and there was, I was having a little problem with the link uh, on the website. So I had one of those things in the middle of the night last night where I figured out how to fix it. So I would say it was inspired. So this morning, very early this morning, I fixed it. So I believe. So now there shouldn't be a... Sometimes it was hard. It wouldn't connect sometimes. So I believe I fixed that. And the Thankful Five link, which was... Uh, my, my father-in-law does the Thankful Fives. And yeah. He was showing it to me. I was like, dude, I don't touch the website. Yeah, so it's, been, it's, been acting, it's been acting up. I don't know why. And uh, I just I could go and do a little nerdy website speak but what's the point it's, it's i think it's working now but we think it's working so yeah if it's not working then we're sorry we'll fix it yeah yeah day. i'll but come up with a different idea <laughs> we're, we're always working on nerdy stuff behind the scenes yeah so anyway if we ever started a nerd podcast if you were interested in that i'd be surprised yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be not well attended yeah, no there, there's plenty of nerdy podcasts although i'm surprised at how many uh, you know those videos that you put online that are all I, nerd speak. How many views they get? The, they get the church, way more views than anything I've ever done. The church's YouTube page has a video I accidentally posted on there, <laughs> talking about how to put lower third lyrics on there. And the last I checked, it had over five thousand views. None of our weekend services get more than three hundred views on YouTube. So, like, I guess we should just do tech walkthroughs. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, we're going on to the part of the podcast where we take in questions. Uh, there weren't many questions, probably because the website was down, but still, thank you for those who pressed forward and burned the midnight oil. I know my wife was like, she was up at 11 trying to figure out, I gotta get a question in! You know, the reason, well, I, there are some folks that are, that I'm sort of working with, uh, the smaller group, and I encourage them to ask me a question every week, so I'm talking directly to you now, because, I think it keeps you tied in. If you if you have to think about the message to the point where you are where you have to ask a question, I think it makes you think about the message. And um, there is really something that keeps us all moving in the same direction when we're tying into what's happening on the weekend. So um, so anyway, that's why I really encourage that. And some great questions have come out again. And then other folks that are just a part. I appreciate you asking questions. I got a few people that are asking questions regularly. Um, aside from that group, and I really appreciate you and, and thank you. One of these questions came from England again, and so I appreciate uh, uh, John who writes uh, writes us uh, questions and stays involved. I think it's cool that we can we can have a uh, uh, you know An international community. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like it. It's very cool. So awesome. good, good for you. All right, so we'll start with our questions now. Uh, first question on our list today. Uh, this person's been reflecting on Psalm eighty four ten. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. This reminded me of the question you left us about how do we daydream. Have you any more examples of scripture to help them daydream? Yeah, and great question. Question and and uh, and I, I I you know it's 
you figured it out already. If you can dwell on the scripture, <laughs> that's that's the absolute best. Um, and so I would encourage that. And I, you know, I like to spend time thinking about uh, Revelation 4, Revelation 5, Revelation 19, just what's going on around the throne room. Now I know that there's, you know, that's that's that heaven time, and then there's difference after that. Um, so I use my imagination a lot of time to think about that. What that might that what that might be like. There you go. I knew I could get it out yeah, if I stopped. <laughs> and you know, another great chunk of scripture to read is Isaiah from uh, uh, chapters 40 to chapter 55, which also is one really long poem, really. And uh, uh, in there, there's a lot of, um, when you get it, when you see it, you'll see there's a lot of ideas about the, the renewal of all things and what that's going to look like. You know, now, we don't really know, so it's all, you know, very in, in prophetic sort of language. But I think you can dwell in there and, and you, can, uh, you can reflect on there and really get some ideas about what that's going to look like when, when everything is perfect. Uh, and and I, I think it's very difficult for us to sort of push past all of the boundaries that we have in place because we have no concept of what uh, the, the planet in perfection would be like. You know, we get glimpses and, and, you know, we see beauty at times and all the things. But imagine if, if it hadn't been tainted by the fall. And so uh, uh, those are the things that I like to ponder. Great, you know, the Psalms are another great sort of reflective place um, to really think about. Someone um, said something about, you know, uh, daydreaming about winning the lost. And I thought, well, that's cool. Um, you know, these are all sort of worthy ways of spending our, our uh, thinking energy. So I think we, we, um, we have a tendency to spend too much time daydreaming or thinking about things that are very temporary. And, um, you know, I think in one of the messages I even kind of teasingly talked about how much time people spend about what they do if they won the lottery and I think that thinking is kind of an escape. Um, but I, I just think thinking about, if you need something to really think about, thinking about, you know, life after life after death is far more productive in that in there you, you can find some things that um, will will be helpful in, in our day-to-day lives. So um, great ideas. There's some ideas to think about in the Scripture. And uh, I would just encourage everybody to continue to do that. And especially if you're... If you're catching, I think, you know, from discussion with folks, some people default into, they've got some things that they sort of like to daydream about, uh, and, and they put a lot of energy into them. And I would say, if it's not sort of in the direction of the hope that we have and in the promises that we have, you might want to restructure that and use your holy imagination to that end. I think you'll find that it's way more productive and it will impact your life in pretty significant ways. Nice. Thank you for that question. Next one. In Matthew chapter 6, after discussing some different aspects of prayer, Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer. Afterwards, he specifically highlights forgiveness. Why do you think he chose that aspect to focus on? Ah, forgiveness. Because it's, uh, it's one of those things. Um, you know, in, uh, I think in, in uh, real estate or somewhere, they, they always say it's location, location, location. <laughs> forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. It's so central to everything. Um, I think perhaps one of the big reasons there is uh, 
we first need to understand how much we've been forgiven. And that needs to sink in so that we never take what what's happened on our behalf ever lightly or without the, the realization of how amazing it is that we're actually forgiven that are and you know forgiven that our, our debt's been paid that that we're restored reconciled um, and all of us have, have messed up and it, it gets us away from that thinking that somehow we've earned it or we're good enough which is totally contrary to how you want to live so I think there's an aspect of it that we need to grasp to understand our own need for forgiveness. And, and that once we get a hold of that realization, then, you know, even the stories in Scripture, who are we not to forgive someone that's hurt us? Um, and so there's, there's, like, you know, we've been forgiven for everything. We need to be people that extend forgiveness. And a couple other important things about forgiveness. One of them is um, when you don't forgive... Uh, the scripture teaches that it, it builds up something in you that's bitter. You know, it's a, it's a, it, this root of bitterness gets in you and it ruins your relationships with everybody. And so a lack of forgiveness harms you. Now, now why is it sometimes though that we, we don't forgive and, and a lot of people get stuck in this because they've been so wronged. And, I, and, and I'm not taking this lightly. Uh, this is, I, I know that in this fallen world, some people have been wronged in such horrific ways that it's uh, almost unimaginable. It's horrific. Um, often by people who should have loved you well, and they did the exact opposite. And so one of the ways that we think that we protect ourselves when we eventually can is we withhold forgiveness. Well, I'll never forgive that person. But forgiveness, forgiving someone doesn't mean an immediate um, change in relationship. So, and this is very important. So uh, we need to forgive people. And, and sometimes people will try and work that against you. Say, well, you're a Christian. You're supposed to forgive me. Yeah, I absolutely. So I do forgive you. However, that doesn't mean that our relationship is going back to what it once was unless you actually, um, the person that did the wronging, repents now whether they do or not that's between them but what what you do when you've been wronged if someone refuses to repent is there is some sort of boundary that needs to go up there now big issues too don't don't let's not do this with little things some things just don't matter big issues where you've been horrifically wronged uh you know meaningfully wronged there if if the person who has wronged you doesn't own it doesn't do something about it doesn't change and you put up a boundary there so that that you don't let that person do that again. You know, um, you, you know, specifically, let's say that someone has been abused by someone in a family. Um, and unless that person repents and changes, then the boundary stays in place so it can't continue on with other folks uh, and people that you love. You don't ignore it. You, boop, you put a boundary up. And you don't let anybody push past your, until I, I see that you've changed and you, you've owned your stuff. We're, we're going to have this boundary be- between us. It doesn't mean that, um, you know, uh, it just means until you make some changes. So forgiveness is something that we give. It doesn't mean I haven't forgiven you. What it means is now I don't trust you because you violated that trust. And until you repent and change over time, and it, and it takes time, until there's a noticeable change, until something different happens, then my trust level doesn't come back. And And so... Um, you know, so forgiving isn't, you know, Scripture talks about forgiving and forgetting, which is something that apparently God does. 
thank goodness. But we can't because the more you try and forget something, the more you remember it. However, we forgive. And then and, and if, if there is a reciprocal repentance on the other side, we, we can go back to relationship and trust can be restored and rebuilt. But if there's not that movement towards health from the, the person who has done the offending, then you keep a boundary in place for your safety and for the safety of those that are around you and ultimately for their own good so that if they keep hitting a boundary, maybe eventually they'll look at why. Uh, and uh, they won't be able to blame it on you. Um, that's the cheap way out. They'll have to look at themselves, hopefully, and then make some changes. And here's the good news. Some people won't. This is the bad part. Some people won't ever change, but some people will. And, and I, I always see that as just such an amazing movement of God when, when people change, repent, don't want to be that way anymore. Um, other people won't. And, and there, you know, the issue is evil, I'm afraid. And so you have to be very careful with that and how that works. So anyway, um, that's why forgiveness is so important. It's a big deal because of what we've been forgiven. We need to forgive or commanded to forgive. If you don't forgive, you get bitter. So you extend forgiveness no matter what. However, in those severe instances, you can not trust until trust is earned once again. And then you go back there. Awesome. Hey, that was great. That was like a whole show right there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on forgiveness. You could just, like you said, forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Keep going. Yep. So, all right, moving on. Uh, this person has found another puzzling passage, and this time it's in First Kings chapter thirteen, verses eleven through twenty-four. A prophet goes to King Jeroboam at God's command. Another prophet sends his sons to bring that prophet to his house. Lies to him. And then the first prophet dies, and the one who lied lives. Please shed some light on this uh, for this person. And then they also wanted to say, thank you so much for taking these questions. It's great to read the Bible, and really great to have somebody help you understand it. Yeah. Thank you for that. I appreciate the comment and uh, the encouragement. Always good. You know, we need, we need to be encouraging. That, that helps things. Okay. So, yeah, that's a great story. Um, let's read it. 1 Kings 13, 1, because it's a really good story. By the word of the Lord, a man of God from Judah to Bethel, uh, uh, came from Judah to Bethel, as Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering. So you had to get a prophet from, from the uh, southern kingdom to go to the northern kingdom. Apparently there wasn't any good prophets in the northern kingdom because evil was so rampant there. So you have that in the story. Jeroboam was an evil king. Standing by the altar to make an offering, he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord. O altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who now make offering here, and human bones will be burned to you. The same day the man of God gave a sign. This is the sign the Lord has declared. The altar will be split apart. And the ashes on it will be poured out. When King Jeroboam heard what the man of God cried out against the altar at Bethel, he stretched out his hand from the altar and said, seize him. But the hand he stretched out toward the man shriveled up. That's, that, wow. that would get your attention. <laughs> well, never mind. <laughs> Undo it. But the, <laughs> so that he couldn't pull it, uh, couldn't pull it back. Also, the altar was split apart at his ashes. Poured out according to the sign given by the man of God by the word of the Lord. Then the king said to the man of God, Intercede with the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored. So the man of God interceded with the Lord, and the king's hand was restored, became as it was before. 
The king said to the man of God, come home with me and have something to eat, and I will give you a gift. But the man of God answered the king, even if you were to give me half your possessions, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water here. For I was commanded by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. So he took another road and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. So God came to this prophet, said you need to go uh, to um, the altar there at Bethel. It's a mess. Go and tell them what's going to happen. You need to go and take care of that. But when, when, you, uh, when you're there, don't eat or drink and come back, come back differently than the way that you went. Now, there was a certain old prophet living in Bethel uh, whose sons came and told him all the man of God had done there that day. They also told their father what, the king had, uh, what he had said to the king, and their father asked him, which way did he go? And his son showed him which road the man of God from Judah had taken. So he said to his son, saddle the donkey for me. And when they had saddled the donkey for him, he mounted it and rode after the man of God. And he found him sitting under an oak tree and asked, are you the man of God who came from Judah? I am, he replied. So the prophet said to him, come home with me and eat. The man of God said, I cannot turn back and go with you, nor can I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. I've been told by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water uh, there or return by the way that you came. The old prophet answered, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel said to me by the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house so that you may eat bread and drink water. But he was lying to him. So the man of God returned with him and ate and drank. In his house. And while they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet who had brought him back, and he cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah. This is what the Lord says You have defied the word of the Lord and have not kept the command the Lord God gave you. You came back and ate bread and drank water in the place where he told you not to eat or drink. Therefore, your body will not be buried in the tomb um, of your fathers. And then, sure enough, the guy leaves and he gets mauled by a lion, killed by a lion or something. You can finish the story. So, that doesn't seem right. What's going on? So, so just make sure you, you, you know, you got the facts. So God comes to this prophet and says, listen, you gotta go to the other kingdom because there's a big mess over there. So I'm sending you. You go. You need to tell them this and then don't eat or drink there and come back by a different way. He knows what he's supposed to do. So he goes and he does what he's supposed to do and sure enough, he's got God with him. He sees things happening, shriveled hands, you know, boom, boom, altar splits. This is definitely a word of the Lord. Look what's going on. He's doing everything he says. And then, and so, you know, the king's hands restored. So he says, come back and have something to eat with me. And the guy says, I can't. The Lord said, don't do that. The word of the Lord to me was, no, don't go and eat and drink there. I'm going back this way. Well, this prophet in Bethel, this old prophet, hears it. Now, if, see, here's where you need to, you need to have a little discernment. If you're this prophet, you've just seen all those things. He'd been warned not to eat or drink there. This old prophet comes. If, if this prophet was really sort of on track... God ultimately wouldn't have to gone all the way to Judah to find a prophet to send. He had one there, right. apparently. But it didn't happen through this guy. So what do you think is going on? Well, I think he's a little jealous at first. A, he didn't get the word of the Lord. So he actually lies. What's the point in lying? I'm not exactly sure why he lies. Um, and it say, he says an angel told him. Then he says he's lying. Maybe it was a deceiving angel, you know, one of the bad guys. I'm not sure. But whatever the action was, I, I have a feeling it was driven out of jealousy. He, he doesn't like that this guy heard from the Lord, and he's probably not. Brings him back to his house. Then he actually does hear from the Lord and says to the guy, Oop, you weren't, you know, God told you not to come. Now, you, now you're going to die. So why, why, well, he, he, see, here's, the, here's where we get in trouble a lot of times. We know what the word of the Lord is, and we let people talk us out of it. And they have sometimes motives that aren't pure. And, and so that's why we need to stick to the word of the Lord. That's like if, if you've got something in Scripture, you know, and, and someone comes to you and says, eh, 
did God really say? Does that remember you? Remind you of an old trick? Uh, and that's still the case. And so that's why, you know, the Scripture is our standard. And we read the Scripture and how we're supposed to live, how God speaks to you. And don't let people sort of try and take you astray because you don't know why they're doing that. Why, why are they trying to take you astray? And, and, you know, the consequence was severe for this guy um, who, and, and, you know, shocking turnarounds. And I think a lot of times we have to be careful when, when, when we're really having those connected moments that we don't get a little proud. And get in big trouble. Just like with Peter again, right? Peter, the revelation, you know, you're the Messiah. That was revealed to you by God. Mm-hmm. And then the next minute he gets it completely wrong. And I think you, you, you have to be careful of that whole thing. And you, you just do what the Lord says. And when you do it, that's what you're supposed to be doing. It's nothing to get all, um, you know, built up over. But, uh, so this... Uh, this guy should have stuck with his plan. Why he deferred, maybe because it was an older prophet, I'm not sure, but he should have had his discerner going saying, yeah, you know, if you really hear from God, God would have probably just come to you immediately. Uh, he didn't need to send me all this way. So I think I'll pass on your offer to have a meal and uh, just head home in a different way. So there you go. All right, man, good stuff. couple more questions. Has the concept of heaven not being the end point always been a part of your theology? Or has your view on this developed over time? Yeah, so it's... Uh, the life after life after, after death. death. Definitely developed over time. But, because I think that even as a non-Christian, you sort of have an idea of heaven and earth. You know, that, 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 that that's sort of prevalent, right? That if you die, you, you go to heaven. Um, and, and, you know, and a lot of people just believe that's a given. It doesn't really matter how you live here. Everybody gets to go to heaven. That's a sort of a, unfortunately, a fairly common thought. And then, um, you know, lots of things in our experience point and point at that. Sort of, you know, a lot of movies, everything kind of has that. It's the heaven is the end point. So um, when you, when I came to Christ and started to read in Scripture, that was certainly how I began to perceive it. And it seemed like most people were sort of going that way. And there's a lot of... Um, church ideas in the last hundred or two hundred years that have that as the end point more than it used to be. We've, we're, we're, the life after life after death thing is a much older way of a church thinking. Somewhere in there in the Enlightenment time, perhaps, I don't know, 17, 18, early 1900s, somewhere there, the thinking changed and it became more of an escapist sort of theology where at some point we get to escape the planet and we go to heaven and there, but it doesn't really fit with Scripture, which doesn't talk that way, because very clearly the early church began believed in a a uh, physical bodily resurrection as one of the main things uh, for all of us, and you you really wouldn't need a new physical body to go hang out in heaven. Um, so, uh, and and when you start to study it that way, it begins to change. And I can remember, uh, you know, coming to grips with this when when uh, having discussions and trying to figure out that Revelation 21 verse and I'd sort of that I talk about all the time and we kind of skip over it about heaven, new heaven coming to earth and because and, people would say little things like you know we talk about heaven and they say yeah well I'm, I'm not maybe you're going to be in heaven I'm, gonna, I'm coming back to earth and uh, but not really digging into it and then over time really pressing into it and realizing that that's the, the idea and has been and was certainly the idea for the early church and that um, we've changed it. So a lot of very popular theology, which I'm not going to start dismantling right here, in the last 
50 years even, um, doesn't have that concept right and, and uh, is far more of an escapist sort of thing that, that you know, we're going to escape this planet and it's going to get destroyed forever and that's the way it goes. It's not what the scripture says. So, you, you know, you're, as you continue to press in, you have to have room for your um, theology to grow as your understanding of scripture grows and as you begin to see the story from beginning to end. Because, uh, you know, initially I didn't have the whole story. And that takes a while to get that in. And nobody was um, really telling me the whole story. I, you know, that just took forever, which is one of those reasons why, you know, this last season I was like, I want to I get back and just make sure everybody knows the whole story, as I understand it anyway. This is what it looks like from beginning to end. Because then it changes the way that you sort of put things in. And I also think we have a tendency to think of it as a, a bunch of small books kind of tossed together, and it's not. It's one big story, and when you get that, then it opens up to you from beginning to end, and you start to see the the restorative pictures and the themes that run through there and what's going on. And then, oh man, I, to me, that's just when it starts all opening up. You go, oh, okay, well, that's, that's all these things that are going on and why it's so important. So, yeah, great question. No, that wasn't my initial sort of thing. That's um, developed over time after spending a lot of time kind of hanging out, reading, studying, trying to make it, you know, finding a way to, you know, it has to, it has to hold together. You have to have your, your theology has to work um, in some way and, and still allow for the, you know, the mystery and the sovereignty of God and all that. But it's still, there's got to be something hanged it together. You can't dismiss huge chunks of it um, and go, well, yeah, well, I, so, so that's why we continue to press into the story. Somebody who talks about it quite a bit is N.T. Wright, and we've been studying a lot of his stuff. You so more than me, but I'm starting to dive into it, too. And it was kind of funny. I was on YouTube looking up N.T. Wright, and there's an interview from, like, 2007 or 2008 with him on the old Stephen Colbert show, N.T. Wright, who's, you know, very biblical scholar. So uh, look that up, and he actually talks about life after life after death, and, you know, it's interesting seeing a very secular person and N.T. Wright talking about it. But that, that was a good interview, so... Uh, definitely look up N.T. Wright stuff if you're more curious about it. There's books and all that good stuff. Or keep listening. You'll hear a lot of similarities. One, one, of, his, one of the great books, um, he's written, he's, well, he's written a ton of books. Um, there's one called Surprised by Hope. It's really good. So, but, you know, anything pretty much that he writes or talks, once you get used to him, yeah, he's... He's really good. He has a very British voice. Yeah. It's so soothing. Now, and like, see, and I've, I've, we want to be careful here because we, there's going to be people who don't like him sure. in, in the Christian community, and that's like with everything. Yeah. It's, that's like shockingly. There's people who don't like us. Um, imagine <laughs> that. We're so likable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One more question. In your beach illustration from last weekend's sermon, do you think it's healthy, irresponsible, or dangerous for us to try to dive deep as often as we possibly can. Yeah, good question. Um, if you if you didn't listen to the illustration, you know, go back and watch it. But really, the the illustration I was making was we're talking about prayer, and I was using the shore uh, as sort of an example that you know you could stay, you could walk on the shore, and the and the water, the ocean could be here, and you could stay perfectly dry, or you could get all the way wet, stay, hang out in there for as long as you could, or you could walk in the in the overlap. And I, to me, that's the picture. We walk in the overlap of heaven and earth, and, and th- that's sort of a great picture, I think, and that's 
the place where we stay. And there will be times when we find ourselves on the dry ground, which I said represented our daily lives. We'll get over there. But, you know, you don't want to get too far away from the presence because uh, you'll, get, you'll get dried out real quick. So we want to stay in that presence and prayers there. And then I said we also need to take some time deep diving because you need to submerge yourself in the presence of God. Um, and, and so to answer your question, yeah, I think that's really healthy. Uh, you know, could you overdo it? I, I think the call and return to life is kind of strong that we have, and it would pull you back your daily life because there's people that need you and all those other things. And, you know, in my illustration, obviously, unless you were a sea creature, you couldn't, you'd die eventually if you just hang out there all the time. But the, the point that I was making was you were wired hardwired for that sort of experience, that deep diving experience, to just be in the presence of God. And the point that I made to people I was trying to make, and I, I might have forgotten it in one of the sermons, I don't know. Um, if you're not experiencing the presence of God in a significant way, you will go for fake experiences. And that's what a lot of people do, and why they are moving in directions that aren't healthy for them, is because they're not deep diving and getting the, the real thing that God has for them, and so they settle for counterfeits. And so, you know, a lot of times if you find yourself being drawn towards other things, one of the things I would say to you is, is the, one of the best things you can do is make sure you're getting some time really just in the presence of God. And everybody does that differently. If it's, you know, it could be scripture reading, it could be worshiping, you know, in intense worship, it, it could be, you know, in your in thinking about things. But you want to get yourself immersed in the presence. And there's something in, for me anyway, when you really get into the presence of God, it's, um, it's better than any mind-altering thing that you can tap into in the natural. And unfortunately, before I knew Jesus, I have a lot of experience in that area. And it's my promise to you that there's nothing as good as deep diving in the presence of the Lord. That I have, you know, fortunately, some of those times and sometimes often in worship where it feels like there's such a connection, I actually feel like I've pressed in all the way. Now, you know, but, but, you know, when you read about some of the encounters some of these folks have, um, it, it looks like there's a level of that that's possible. Um, you know, I, I'm not like I'm saying I get to go and hang around heaven, but... but uh, uh, I, I do feel like I, I, I enter in at that level sometimes, and it's exhilarating. Let me put it that way. It's it's uh, it's thrilling. It's it's a good thing. So so yeah, the question ah, get in get in there as often as you can, you know, but still you know have an impact in your in your you, you still have a mission. You have a purpose. You have a vocation. Um, you know, with God, we have a vocation to be ambassadors, and so so we we need to understand that's part of the daily life. But you know. Uh, you, you want to at least walk in that overlap, and then, you know, when you start feeling a little like, ooh, a swim would be a good thing, go ahead and take one. Awesome. Great illustration. Thank you for all the questions uh, for Vine Press. If you guys have any questions on next weekend's sermon, you can log on to keysvineyard.com, click the Vine Press link. It's also there on Hello Vineyard as well. Get your questions in, and we'll answer them on our Wednesday night Hello Vineyard podcast. So, again, thank you for that. Uh, we also like to do a quick behind-the-scenes segment. You got a little more scripture. You got something for us here? Well, I was just getting ready for what's coming next week. So, what we've got our last unshakable foundation. This is the final part of unshakable foundation. So, where are we going with it? And it's Psalm forty-two, forty-three. I was looking at your notes. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so.
Um, we, you know, I, I ended last week talking about prayer as that language in the t- living in the tension. What I want to finish this series with is, um, now that we know what our hope is supposed to be, always in the renewal of all things, how does that affect everything, in particular our prayers, while we still live in a fallen world, and while difficult things still happen. Because a lot of times what will happen is they will overwhelm us and cause us to sort of forget where our hope is. And we, have it, we get our hopes in the wrong spot. And, and when, you, when you look at Psalm 42 and 43, uh, as I was telling the group, um, it's really one long song. It shares a refrain, the common refrain. We don't always know why they separated the things they did, but um, there's a common refrain throughout the two. And it's a song sung by a worship leader, someone who was used to leading people into the presence, who's not experiencing the presence of God. And because of situations. And it's, and again, it's sort of the irony of the Psalms that they, they, they lead us into the presence by telling us how they, they don't feel the presence of God. But the, the significant thing here is that even in the midst of their difficult time, uh, the psalmist clings to God with, with a why. W-H-Y, the question. See, and that, I think, is that's the significant part of what I'm going to say is that even in the difficult times, um, the way that we cling on to God and our hopes and everything is why. And, and it's a perfectly legitimate expression and question for someone that you're in relationship with. Why? I, I don't understand. Yet, I do trust you and I know where my hope is, so I'm going to continue to engage and press in. And there's something about that, I think, that really helps us continue to move forward uh, in it. So read that if you can. And then the new series uh, is going to be called Keep in Step, coming from, you know, if we live by the Spirit, we should keep in step with the Spirit. And what I hope to do then is take the, the story. Now that, we have a sto- now that we know the story, my hope is to encourage you to read the Scripture knowing the story and that you're encouraged to read Scripture. And, and we'll talk about why that's so important. Uh, and then I think we'll also sort of see how practical it is. I, I'm, I'm probably going to take parts of the Gospel of John and then try and apply it into important things in our life. So that's kind of where we're heading with that. Exciting stuff. So you won't want to miss it. This weekend, Saturday night, 7, Sunday, 8, 9, 30, and 11. few quick things heading into the week. Uh, events coming up at church. We have our movie night, which is going to be next Friday on the 23rd. Uh, still encouraging people to do that. We'll be one of the only movie theaters open in the country. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, should be fun. We're showing Trolls World Tour. Again, one of the few theaters that gets and, to show And it. one of the few that's free. And we're, yeah, one of the few. There's probably other, who knows at this point. We don't. Free, but, uh, free movie, free popcorn. Definitely the only one in Big Pine on Friday, October 23rd, as far as we know. So... Uh, check that out if you're near us locally. We're obviously not going to live stream that because that would be highly illegal. But yes. we will be, we are licensed to show it in person. So, yeah, And we do, we actually purchase we licenses to show licensed. those movies. Um, so we're not doing anything yeah. sketchy. You don't want that big, you know, that big warning that comes up that says <laughs> copyrighted, yeah. don't show this under pen. So we don't I ever want that. No. So <laughs> we actually, you can go out and pay for the license. Not cheap, but you can. Yeah. And we do that. So. Great thing. Uh, Also, we've got the candy giveaway. That's October 30th from 5 to 7. That's another Friday night. We've already got candy coming in. Thank you guys so much who've brought in candy. Uh, If you haven't yet given us candy, please do so. 
you know, even if you want to buy like a bag of prepackaged Twix and you want to take a couple, that's fine. Bring us the rest as long as they're prepackaged and as long as you don't have the Rona or anything. So, yeah, yeah. Important clarification now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, please. <laughs> uh, yes, and. Uh, Worship. We haven't talked about worship yet. Yeah, excited for the set this weekend. Uh, Pastor Billy and Angie are with us this weekend, and we're introducing a new song called Battle Belongs. It's by Phil Wickham. Uh, we'll be doing that. Great song. Key of C. They're doing lots of songs about battles and bones and, you know, it's, it's all good. That's good. And then uh, the next song we're doing is an elevation song from a few years ago, There is a Cloud. We actually did it at a night watch last year, so it, it's that one, and that's cool. I see a cloud, and it's the size of a fist, and it's coming this way. It was after a long drought. It's back in Kings. It's very cool. Yeah. There's a cloud. Ooh, yeah, cool. Like it. And then the next song Just got the goosebumps. is Gold by Jesus Culture, and then uh, Pastor Angie will be leading that, and my wife is doing Jesus You Alone by Highlands Worship. Great song. I really love that song. Has some great lyrics, and uh, we'll end the set with a little hymn tag of what a friend we have in Jesus. And uh, cool little thing, in case you are a little musical, uh, the second, third, and fourth songs are all in the six-eight time signature, which is why I've put them together. And uh, the last two are in the same key, even, so it'll be very. So and six-eight is different. One, than... two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five. Instead six. of three, four, which is one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two. One, okay. two. So it makes a difference because you're talking about measures there. So, but you know, obviously six eight fractionally very similar to three four. Just double. Yeah, most worship songs that are in that time signature, we'll just call them six eight because then we're dealing with eighth notes and we like to work with eighth notes. Now you've got musically ever... nerdy. Yeah. See, I, I'm just giving you a quick little rhythm. The first song still in four four, which is one, two, three, four. Uh, you know, you, that, that's basically what it is. And you're welcome for the sound effects, by the way. I'm getting, like, slobber all over the yeah, place. thank you for yelling that. Yeah, you're One, welcome. two, three, four thing. Yeah, that's nice. Because you couldn't really back away from the microphone there like you do at church. No, you can't. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. usually backing away or I've got my little button going where I only talk to the band. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> sometimes it's just fun to yell and count yeah. to four. You know, we the, musicians can barely count to six. You know, for years here, I, I, I was up on the platform. And I would play guitar and sing. And and I knew just enough to be able to do that. And when they come in and start talking, because I don't really know me, I can read. You know, fortunately, at hey, some you point, can count to four. I can count to four, and I I know the difference between some of the chords and can play them for whatever reason on time generally. But I I don't like talking about it because I have no idea. And these they'll start talking in numbers instead of chords. <laughs> and uh, so one four five, they look at me and say, and I'm like, what? That's G, C, and D. But yeah, yeah. Right, say it. G, C, and D. G, C, D. But then I'm well, like, but, but where do they go? A, then it's A, D, and E. So, so it's, there, there's a pattern to it. I'm not going to explain the pattern to you. If you are interested, we could do some lessons. Some online. of the best songs ever, two chords. <laughs> First song well, I ever taught myself, two chords. Fortunately, D, D and G. most praise and worship songs are geared towards people like you, who can play a few chords... And that's really all you need to worship God is a couple chords and an acoustic guitar. Yeah. You don't need everything Actually, else. you don't even have to really be able to sing, you know, but you should if you're going to be leading other people. Yeah. But to just kind of jump in and sing, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Singing with someone who can sing. Yeah, yeah. But if you are leading people, 
please sing on key. Yeah, yeah, key is just, important. Pitch. Please, just, yeah, sing yeah. good. Yeah. Please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not only if you're leading. If you're joining, yeah, sing away. Yeah, just quieter than the leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want, yeah. You want to be yeah. a little quieter than the leader. Exactly. If yeah. you're going to be off key. Anyway, yeah. I think that's good enough for today's show. What do you think? Thank you guys for tuning in. We really appreciate it. The Hello Vineyard podcast is made possible in part by viewers like you, as well as the <laughs> Keys Vineyard Community Church services are Saturday nights at 7, Sunday mornings, 8, 9, 30, and 11, live and online, too. You can catch us on all, almost all of your favorite streaming platforms. Also sponsored by the Jesus Moment Bible Institute. You can log on to onlinebibleinstitute.org. Sign up for classes. Get your associates or bachelors in ministry from us. 1,194 students. It goes up every week. It does. That's awesome. And the website is working, correct? It's always been working, but little pages <laughs> weren't working. I think I fixed them. So, yes. Very good. Uh, also... Check out the Keys Vineyard app, available on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. And uh, that's it for us. We'll be back next week with Episode 6. Should be a good one. Submit your questions to Vine Press. We'll see you later. Goodbye, Vineyard. See ya. Thanks for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.